Good evening. Welcome to the 38th episode of the Upbeat Podcast. As you guys know, I am your host, Drew Smith. Here with me today, I have three wonderful people. I got my brother and friend, Armando. How you doing, brother? What up, man? Anthony Mays, how are you? What's going on? And then it is our pleasure... My pleasure. I ain't never had someone this big on the podcast. It's your honor. It's our honor, right? Um, One of Colorado State Senator Julie Gonzalez. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for this opportunity. It's dope. No, I appreciate all three of you guys being here. Um, A lot less formal than I thought I was. I was a little nervous coming into this. Usually, I'm not nervous doing podcasts. Um, I know Anthony was a little nervous, too, but now it's a little bit more chill environment. Celebrate. Thanks to Armando. Um, Before we get started, like shout out to Armando. Armando um, is celebrating today because he sold a very important piece today. Uh, Armando, go ahead and like just give him a little little overview about your accomplishment today. Oh, I mean, I just sold sold a big piece, and and it's like the largest piece I've ever printed. Mm -hmm. So, celebrate, man. How big is it? Six foot by four foot. Whoa. Wow. Damn. Congratulations. Hey. Thank you. Yes. Um, Armando, like how many, if you can count or remember, how many pieces have you sold so far since you've been doing this? Uh, I don't know, man. A few hundred, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Hey. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sell like a lot of small stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like this is definitely the biggest piece I've sold that's, mm-hmm. you know, at this size and, and ratio. So it's like, it, it's... It was like adult feeling to see that email come through. For sure. And they were like, I'm down. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, since we're like talking about you, Armando, and I'm going to give Anthony and Julie also to uh, give a little bit more of their background. Like, tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit more about yourself. Word. Uh, my name's Armando. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a photographer here in Denver. Um, I'm also a, uh, you know, an artist and a, I don't know, an activist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I, I've thrown events in the in the community, um, events that really focus on like shining a light on the homeless community and shining a light on the Chicano community. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm an org- organizer of sorts. Um, but yeah, I I started they shooting, which is a little uh, collective of photographers and videographers and different artists um, that come together every once in a while to put on hopefully dope events definitely yeah how did you get into um photography kind of and not even photography like just like the whole movement that has become your brand essentially like how did you get involved in that was it something that happened like while you were young or is it something that you experienced that made you want to develop this photography i guess like i've I've kind of done it all my life as as long as i can remember like I've, i've been able to like have access to a camera um I was always taking photos of like family events when I was little, and then when I was in the military and eventually went overseas, I was able to like document stuff you know, using a camera then, and then I ended up in Denver and started documenting the lowrider community and different protests. So, you know, I consider myself a photojournalist and an artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dope, yeah. I try to capture different moments in time, but also, you know, I try to put my own funk on it. You know, Definitely. as an artist. Um, and with, as far as they shooting, um, and and what like I've been doing with they shooting, what we kind of stand for, uh, you know, like I, I I was in the military for a while, and I kind of was witness to the injustices uh, and certain um, certain injustices that we you know perpetuate on other countries, um, and that kind of was the beginning of like I wouldn't say my radicalization. But it's definitely the beginning of like where my career and my focus as an artist went to. Um, 
So I, and I've been doing that for like the last ten years. Oh yeah. Oh. And wh- where are you from? Because I, I know it's like originally from California. California. What part? Uh, was born in L.A. and then lived in the Central Coast. A lot of people don't know Lompoc, eight oh five. Uh, I represent all day for Lompoc, <laughs> but a lot of people don't know where it's at. It's where it, it kind of like bends California at the elbow. Uh, but I've been living in Denver since 2010, so I've been here. I hit my decade mark last year. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Well, congratulations again, brother. That's Thank amazing. Uh, Anthony, I'm going to go to you since Uh-oh. you're the other <laughs> photographer in the room. Uh, let, let the viewers and the listeners know a little bit about sure. your history. So, like you said, I'm Anthony Mays. Um, my history, I've been doing photos for my whole life also, on and off. Um, when I started getting the music scene, I started throwing parties, DJ events, and just throwing parties off the scene. Still want to do that. I want to make them bigger and better. Um, I started doing a lot of photojournalism, doing the protests, just anything in Denver representing the Chicano community, my family especially. We go deep to the east side of Denver, and I want to document that, and I'm continuing to document that in the city. I've got a lot of like representation in the city, and I really want to put an eye on that because people need to know about it, you know? What, um... What made you like want to pick up the camera? Like, I, like I know we said it with Armando and his history, like in the military and everything like that. But like, what made you? Well, do you remember that first time you ever picked up the camera, I mean, or was it like a picture you saw? I was that? always like a little kid with the camera. Mm-hmm. I always have like a little mini one, like literally like hand size. Right. You know, I don't even know why or what I took on it, but I've always just kind of just shot with it, you know. And then just as the years gone on, I've just gotten better with it, and I've just always tried to like. Shoot everything around me, document for sure. You know, well, I mean, as an up and coming photographer, I've only been doing photography up, coming up two years, but like, you guys are definitely people to look up to. Like, you guys' art is amazing, and hey, I, I definitely it. love you guys' stuff. Thank you, bro. Um, Julie, um, yeah, hi, hi, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let us know about you and how you came here, and uh, people who are not familiar with you, certainly. So, um it's hard for me to talk about myself without first talking about my family, you know. Um, my mom's side of the family is like old school, older than dirt. Chicano's been here since before this was Mexico, you know, like down in Walsenburg and Gardner um, wow. area. Um, and my dad's side of the family um, was, uh, is like uh, all northern New Mexico. Um, and uh, the land that my grandparents still live on um was my great-grandmother's dowry so we're like also like super old school um and um when my mom and my dad got married um my dad got a job managing a ranch for the san carlos apache association and so we like i was born on the reservation um in arizona and i lived there until i was 10 years old and um and then my dad got a different job managing a different ranch and so i grew up on the border um right um uh like literally along the us mexico border um uh with uh, uh mexico and texas um we moved there in 1993 in the summer of 1993 which was important because um that next january january 1 1994 like nafta was enacted right and like little like middle school Julie had no idea of any of that but like um there are things that happen that you don't necessarily have a a a vocabulary for right Mm -hmm. that you're like that's wrong and or like why is that happening or like what's what's going on with that but you don't necessarily have the the words to describe um politics or power or um international globalization right like and um 
But as a kid, you like see stuff um, with a in in some ways in a much more clear way, you know. Um, and so it's so my activism came, you know, just um, showed up in a different way. It wasn't through photography. It was through politics. It was through organizing. Um, I got I, I I went to school. Um, I learned the language of like how to describe what was actually taking place, and then also learned tools as to like how to change things, you know? Um, so I was like, okay, now I learned things. Now what am I gonna do? <laughs> and, um, and, and so that's kind of what I've been doing since is like organizing community, um, whether that's like, um, and people at the, at the margins, you know, like people who often um, get left behind or not even taken into consideration, whether that's young people, whether that's undocumented people, whether that's um, black and brown people, indigenous people, um, how do we center those voices um, in our in our conversations, right? And um, that's driven a lot of my organizing work. Um, I've been here in Denver since 2005 um, and um, have been organizing ever since. And then uh, two years ago, um, for some reason, um, I decided, Actually, I know why the reason was. I there was a moderate um, Democrat who was going to run for this open Senate seat, and I was like, "Well, let's push him to the left." And I thought that you know I'll throw my hat in the ring and then like I'll push him to the left, but he was going to be like you know the person who was going to like win and whatever. And so I threw my hat into the ring um, for the Senate seat, and he never filed. Um, and so I ended up being in a in a five way primary, um, and uh, was the only woman. Uh, for the majority of the race um, and the only person of color and then ended up uh, winning this this uh, Senate seat. And so now I serve in the Colorado State Senate. Um, right now I'm the only Latina in the State Senate. That's going to change this November, um, which I'm super excited about. Um, I serve alongside um, uh, three other Latinos in the State Senate and then uh, nine other um, uh, Latinx folks uh, in the House. And... Um, and that's the work, you know, like yeah. that's, 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 um, that's, uh, it's been a battle. It's been a struggle. Cause right. I never, there's lots of people who I think get into politics thinking like, Oh, I want to do this. It's going to yeah. be great. And then like, I kind of fell into it and I'm trying to do what I can with what I got. Would which, you say what you experienced in, um, and I think I was reading the San Carlos Apache reservation mm -hmm. is where you grew up. Was, do you know if there was a particular time during your experience there where you were like, yeah, this is what, what I'm seeing right now. I, this is what I want to do. I want to make a difference. That does, that's not right. That should, that shouldn't be going down like that. Like, do you remember that time? Or was it kind of just over a period of time that you had been seeing this and you were just like, what I'm experiencing right now is not right. You know, it's a, it's a good question because I, um, my little, my, my baby nephew, um, is, He's not a baby anymore. He's going off to college today, right? Like, um, and so we were going through some pictures um, to give to some of my other family members um, while we're while my brother and my sister in law were dropping off my nephew at, in in uh, in at college in Albuquerque, and um, so we're going through photos, and all of a sudden I'm like seeing all of these photos, and I'm like, who's that? And I look closer. And it's like Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Coalition. Oh, like, wow. yeah. Wow. And like, I have all of these photos. I should have brought them. Like, because I, I, it was just like, 
you know, we're talking about black brown unity now, right? right? We're talking about BIPOC, like black indigenous people of color. And like that was happening in the 80s. I have like no recollection of that as like right. an adult. I'm not like, I remember when Jesse Jackson came. Right, like right. that's not, like yeah. I don't remember that, but like that was very much like in the mix. Um, and, and so like I, I, I'm, there's like probably 20 um, snapshots that my parents took of like Jesse Jackson just rolling through San Carlos on his Rainbow Coalition tour um, across the United States. And it's things like that I remember very differently. I remember like um, being like the only non-Apache, non-white family in the town. Like, and I remember like the DeSelliers and the Sims and us. And then we were like the only people who were not Apache um, and, and, and navigating that as like a four or five year old person. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I don't know, like, uh, it's hard to like pinpoint any one moment. And right. like, I, I don't know for, for you all, right? Like how, for if, if you can pinpoint, here's the moment when I was like, yeah, this, well, how this do, connects. How do you guys, like, with her saying, like, what she's, you know, what we're seeing today, you know, with the whole, with her seeing Jesse Jackson and stuff like that, like, obviously it's still been going on for, how come, like, and you, we all can chime in on this, like, why do you think, like, we were so, I mean, I guess the right word to use is blind back then, right? Like, do you think it's because of our age? Do you think it was the time? Do you think it's technology now? We're just more prone to see it? Like, why do you guys think, mm -hmm. like, it's so easy for us to see it now, but back then or back when Julie was looking at Jesse, you know, Jesse Jackson, how come she didn't realize what was going on, you know? I mean, it's definitely a combination of things, you know, a sure. combination of all, all what you just said. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, at, when I was eight years old, that's not what I was focusing on. Right. Like, um, I, I was, I was just thinking about the other day about so my mom's Colombian, and that's always what I identified as is, mm -hmm. is Colombian, um, and so you know growing up around my Chicano homies, they were like, "You're not Mexican or you're not Chicano." I was like, "Well, I'm Colombian," um, and they would always clown. They would be like, "Oh, you know, where, where do I get some cocaine at?" I was like, uh, <laughs> "What do you mean?" Like, I don't. Uh, I don't. Even, I was like eight years old. I don't even know what cocaine right, is. Right. Like, um, and so, like, I would go to my mom and be like, "What does that mean?" And she was like, "You know what? You just tell them uh, next time that uh, white people are the ones that buy it. Y'all, we are the ones that sell it." And I was like, <laughs> right? and, and so I, I, I used to say that shit to people yeah. when I was young because I didn't get it. But like, I used to be like, "Yo, white people are the ones that buy it. We just sell it. We don't do it." Hell yeah. And people used to be like, "Uh huh," you know, like. Yeah. But like, I that was like a form of. Uh, you know, bias that I like experienced, mm -hmm. um, and not to say that that's like a moment in time that like changed the way I thought. Like growing up, um, looking back on it, like that was definitely one of those things. Um, but yeah, that moment in the military where I realized I'm just gar I'm here to guard a, 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 an asset. Mm -hmm. I'm not here for the people. Yeah, mm. you know what I'm saying. And at one point, I just like realized I can't do this for the rest of my life. I can't. Well, not even not the rest of my life, but I can't even. Do I signed up for six years. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't even do this for 20 years. 20 years, you get a retirement, you get a fat check for the rest of your life, yada, yada. Right. In like my third year in the military, I was like, nah, I can't even, I can't finish, I can't finish my contract because this is not right. You know what I'm saying? And that was like, in 2000, I joined in 2003, in mid-2005, summer 2005, I was in Iraq for six months. And 
I just saw what we were doing out there. It didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Even, like, as a 22-year-old at the time, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, looking back on it now, I'm able to see, like, the intricacies of what's going on down there and, like, what we were doing down there. But that's what really kind of, like, changed my way of thinking. Definitely. I think me, what changed mine is one time I was at Walgreens with my brother and we were just, you know, you know, after school, you know, you go get some candy, whatever, a couple of dollars you had that you didn't spend on lunch or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we were being followed, you know, in Walgreens. Mm -hmm. And we went back, you know, you know when someone's following you, right? Yeah. Like, you, you know, and you know when it's, you're not supposed to be followed. Yeah. And I think we went home and I told, I told my dad and my dad went and spoke to the manager at Walgreens. But at the same time, me and my brother, I mean, we were in, early middle school so it's sixth seventh grade we really didn't know we were just like you know and i remember we asked him like hey why was he following us you know it just didn't feel right and it just didn't you know we knew it didn't feel right but we didn't know why mm. you know what i'm yeah, saying totally. and then I, th I remember my dad sat down and he was like i hate to break it to you but it's because your skin color and his skin color mm -hmm. you know and yeah. that explained it all because he didn't have to tell me what color he was i right. already knew what he said about that and i knew me and my brother know what our skin color is. I mean, if you guys haven't seen my brother, my brother looks like he could be Armando's brother. So yeah, yeah, my, yeah. My, my dad's black and my mom was Hisp and my mom's mm. Hispanic. So my brother looks like he can be related to all three of you guys, and I look like <laughs> I'm the one that's not even related, you know? But <laughs> it broke it up because then, like, it, it broke it down to me when I thought of it like that because he could have viewed me as a as a black male and my brother as a, as a Latino, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to us, when me and my brother would sit down and talk, it felt like he was judging two races at once. Like it was mm. like his, you know, it was like totally. that. And that's when we grew up, starting then. Like all right, like we 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 get judged by our color. You For know? sure. Mm. Um, so I wanted to talk leading into that. I especially with today's world and what everything is going through. And like Anthony, and Armando, you guys have been on the, you know, and Julia as well. You guys all been on the front line with the protests, working in the state senate and everything like that. With everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement that we're seeing here in Colorado and everything, like I wanted to give you three like this time to honestly just tell like how important the Latino community and the Latino voice is like during these times. Um, whoever wants to start first, it's extremely important. Right? Like we need that solidarity. Those are our brothers and sisters. As Black and Brown, we need it tonight at all times, especially now. They need us, and we need them. Definitely, mm -hmm. we have our own battles, but we gotta ride for each other because. Mm -hmm. They don't like both of us, no matter what. The natives, blacks, the brown, we're all hated on. Mm -hmm. We have to unite. We have to be in solidarity at all times, no matter what, especially on the front line and the way we vote. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can go. You want to go? I can go. <laughs> so, like, when, I, when I'm out there um, shooting, especially for like the last two months, I see a lot of signs. I see a lot of, you know, brown, especially brown mm -hmm. women. I'm holding signs that say, tu lucha es mi lucha. And when you translate it, that's like, your struggle is my struggle, your fight is my fight. Um, and while bl the black and brown struggle isn't identical, it's like super similar. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, our communities are like, are over-policed, you know? They're, they're, you know, profiled for different reasons. Um, and so more than ever, especially with the current president that we have, it's important for us to, to unite and, 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 to, and to make our voices be heard. Um, you know, Latinos, they, they're not a monolith. They're, they don't all vote the same. Mm -hmm. They don't all think the same. 
Um, there's Latinos that voted for Trump, and there's my uncles. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have, I have got people, her too. I have, <laughs> yo, I have people in my family chain that did the same thing, and it's and it's fucking embarrassing to be honest. Uh, if I'm gonna keep it real, it's like super embarrassing. You're like, what are you doing? Y- you came from the mud, like you came, and, and they don't view you like they view themselves. They view you differently. They view you less. Totally. Um, less than, you know? Um, so, you know, now more than ever, it, um, when we got people, you know, brown people in cages, when you have black people being basically ex- executed on national television, like when the George Floyd shit happened, that shit was ran on CNN, you know, on a loop. Right. And it's like, th- you know, th- this is like state sh- sanctioned, you know what I'm saying? I feel like it is. Um, you know, we're viewed as as less than, and you know, at 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 some point we're gonna we are we're gonna become the majority. Like there's we're we're the majority in a lot of states, right? Um, but we don't vote like we are. You know what I'm saying? Why do y'all think that? It, and Julie, I'll let you um, get your thoughts in too. But let me just ask a quick question because you said a good point. Like, why do you guys think like we have so many like all people of different colors and everything? We all come together, especially during these times. But why does it? Why do you guys think it's so hard to get people to get out there and vote? Like we can all sit here and like talk about how we don't like Donald Trump, we don't like how people of color are being treated. But it seems like that's not even like the fight. The fight is getting our people and our brothers and sisters to get out there and vote. Like why do you guys think that is? Like if we can come together and see that we're all not liking how we're all being treated, hmm. in my mind it would be that easy. To just be like, all right, let's go make a change. Let's go vote. Why do you guys think it's so hard to get like our brothers and sisters to go out? Because I remember right before this podcast even started, we were all sitting here talking about the voting and how we got to vote in November and everything. But there's people out there that are just like, I'm not going to vote. Yeah. Or, you know, like, I don't want to vote. Like, you know, stuff like that. Why do you guys think it's so hard to get our brothers and sisters to the polls? I, I think sometimes it's that we feel like our, what, our opinion and our voice and how we vote doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's just like an us thing. Um, I feel like you can add a lot more depth to that yeah, than, than I can. Going <laughs> but I'm the also process. like very curious to hear from from you all because I like live in this world right now where it's like all politics all the time, mm-hmm. and um, and I also know that that's not the way that most people live. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I feel like I'm in my bubble, so like I'm actually super curious in this conversation because it's because it's real. Um, and because, like, um, because we're in this moment where um, we're not even sure whether our va- our lives have value, right? Like, where there there has to be like literally like an entire social movement to to declare and proclaim Black Lives Matter, full stop, right? And then I've heard I've I've seen those signs too, you know, where it's like "Tu lucha es mi lucha," right? Like, um, when we shut down from the from the um uh at the legislature um for the pandemic right so usually our our legislative sessions go from january to may and we um on march the 14th which is my birthday i um we had to like shut down um given the pandemic you know like the whole state went on lockdown and i went the last day and i made i made this speech and i was like you know um it's like these these principles of like um, in la quesh, right? Like of like tu eres mi otro, tu yo soy tu otro yo, right? Like 
and where it's like, I am your other you and you are my other me. And that idea of solidarity of mutuality, right? Like, and um, a lot of times within the, and yet then we saw the murder of George Floyd and it makes me think about that young, like, I think she was like 16, 17 years old, this young girl who like had like the fuerza to like go and like film and like capture that. Because right. if she hadn't had that bravery, like, would would this moment have happened, you know? Yeah, or even if it was like 20 years ago when cell phones really didn't have the camera quality back then, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. Or even yeah. in the early 90s, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, to I mean, in the, in the 90s, you saw Rodney King literally but like, but like, got the shit out of But him. like, think of it like this, like, whoever captured that footage had to be there at that right moment. Like, just think of it like this. Imagine if he wasn't at home. Imagine if he was at dinner with his wife and he didn't capture that. Right. Yeah. Right. That whole Rodney King thing, we never would have witnessed. We would have just heard about it on the news, you know? Yeah. Like, that, I think that's what It might have not even made the news, bro. Exactly. Like, it yeah. might have not even made the right. news. That was the thing, though. Like, so we saw these, like, this young girl who had the bravery to go and, like, film the footage, and then it, like, and then it rose up and became this national movement. And then Elijah McClain, Elijah McClain's mother came and, and um, when we were tackling Senate Bill 217, like I was on that committee that heard that bill, the first hearing, and she came and she testified and she kind of like called us out. And she was like, where were y'all when my son died? Mm -hmm. Was that when the first recognition of all this happened? There have been. Because it's, it's weird that George Floyd incident blew up and Elijah McClain happened uh, almost a year ago at the mm -hmm. end of this month. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Was that when it first kind of spark there have been people who are out there protesting there have been people who are out there demanding justice um but there wasn't a there wasn't the mass protest the mass movement you know that we had that we had witnessed and and um and so that was a that was a good reckoning it's it's good for for them to for for elijah mcclain's mother to call us out and, and demand us to be better you know um and that was a hard that was a hard thing to hear, you know. Um, same thing with uh, Devon Bailey and his family. They were like, "Just this this bill comes too late for my family," you know. And that that's a hard thing to recognize. But to get back to that question around like the vote, right? And like, all right, like, do our lives have value? Do our lives matter? And will we actually by electing X, Y, or Z candidate change the system, right? Like that to me is like, that's the question that this election is asking of us is like, um, do you believe in, um, in, uh, in the power of any of these candidates to do, to, to, to make any change? And I, I, at least I have no. to, right? Well, <laughs> I, I think sometimes, sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. Right. And, and I think too often we've seen, um, the answer be no. Right? right and and the question then becomes okay well um, does that does that then mean that we're gonna allow our voices to um, to just to, to take ourselves out the game completely and just cede the ground and cede the territory to the multi-billionaires and the, um, the the corporate overlords you know what I'm saying um, who are very interested in politics right and and that's part of the, this this whole game as well. Is the money. Do you guys also think like 
Cause I, me being a, a young young kid, like I don't ever remember hearing my parents talk about elections. No. Like the only one that I remember, like my parents actively talking about, was Obama when <laughs> his first his first um, election. Do you think maybe like if we heard about it more when we was young, we knew like this was something we should pay attention to once we got older? Totally. You I know, mean, cause like I mean. We, there's so many other stuff our parents taught about taught us, you know, how to treat people, how to brush your teeth, how, how, to, how to, you know, stuff like that, you know. So if it's, our parents just, and I'm not blaming our parents, it's different time back then too, sure. you know. But I've, I just, I just have a feeling like if our parents was like, hey, like, you see what's going on right now, this is what you're gonna have to deal with when you get older. This is the stuff that, this is the decisions you and the people mm-hmm. in your age are gonna have to deal with when you guys come over. Do you think that also has something to do with it? Completely. I mean, look at the next generation. Look how mm-hmm. involved they are. And I'm sure they're having that conversation at home. You think they're more involved have. than we were? I think way more involved. I mean, but they have more technology. I mean, not right. saying that we had less because we had like that beginning age of technology. Right. You know, but they're so much more involved than I was, you know, and at that age, I was playing at the park doing whatever I want. Right. But they have their phone at their fingertips. And now I do as an adult, but I didn't really have that growing up. Right. And so they're more involved than I think the conversation is being had at home. And look at the outcome, you know? Definitely. It's huge. I know person mm-hmm. personally speaking, like my my parents are both immigrants and so their focus was like providing me that opportunity, that American dream. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they they try to shield me from a lot of a lot of things, like whether it was the streets or whether it was like, you know, racism. Um, they tried like, hey, you you know, they were like, You could be all you can be, all you all you everything you wanna be, you can be that. Uh, if you work hard, you know, pull up your bootstraps, yada, yada. As, like I said earlier, Latinos aren't a monolith. And so, like, they were, like, Catholic, conservative. You know what I'm saying? And they brought me up very strict. And so when they saw me running with a rough crowd, um, you know, they, they were pulling me back towards them. And so mm-hmm. that wasn't their focus, you know. They witnessed that, like, my mom being Colombian, she witnessed the the prejudice and the, and the biases that came with being Colombian. Um, a lot of her family wasn't allowed in this country in the you know, late 80s and early 90s because of the drug war in Colombia. And so she tried to shield me from that. And then I saw certain family members that I remember very vividly meeting. I saw them get, you know, I heard and saw them get murdered in Colombia. And, and, and so like, like I said, she tried to shield me from that. And so personally, like that wasn't their focus when they were raising me. It's something that I had I had to learn, and it was a hard lesson as, as an adult, right. you know, as a young adult. Definitely, mm. definitely. Um, Julie, one thing, and uh, also you, uh, Armando, and Anthony as well. Like one thing, another topic I wanted to jump into because I know Julie is really big on this is like the housing, like the help yeah. with housing and everything like that, especially during the the pandemic and everything like that. Like how was that? How was that for you? Because I know I, I've read a lot about you leading up till today, and I've seen that that's one of the big things that you are is public housing and stuff like that. Like, how was that for you, like, having to deal with the pandemic, obviously the race war that we have going on in, in America and particularly in our state, but also trying to help everyone who can't make those monthly mm-hmm. mortgages and mm-hmm. everything like that? Because I know we're all going through it. Like, you know, jobs are hard now. Yeah. pandemic is, is affecting everyone no no color or what unless you're a billionaire or something like that but like how is that for you like are you a billion 
Are y'all done I yet? Wish. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be in Seth's house if I was good. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, how how is that for you? And um, and is it does it does it add stress? Does it make you work ten times harder? Like, you know, it 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 um this question, right, of like, do we cede our ground to the billionaires who, you know, sometimes we'll see like people who are like, nah, I don't do politics. But like, your landlord does politics. You're like, um, your debt provider, your debt servicer does politics, you know, like all of the people who um, make decisions that then impact your life, they do politics. Right. And um, when back in 2005, when I like I finished I finished school, I started organizing. And um, the very first campaign that I got involved in was a campaign to like organize the community members around this development that was going up um, to force them to build affordable housing. Um, and uh, and not only just affordable housing, but to make sure that the entire building was accessible for folks with disabilities to use the 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 tenets of universal design, right? And like I didn't realize that, like I didn't think that that was like forefront of mind to me. Um, but for the folks who were pushing me or who were organizing me, they were like, "Dude, any one of us tomorrow could become disabled," and if we're not building a um, uh, housing that everyone can access, then what are we doing? You know, and so like pushing me on that, you know, and then saying like, and also who are the people who are building the housing? Should they get a living wage or not, right? Um, and so like building, we built this whole coalition of people. And the thing that I learned in that was that if you, like, hey, this developer had, like, mad money, was trying to, like, lobby the city council in order to get tax breaks. Um, it's, like, called tax increment financing. And, um, and like, basically said, give us money now, and then we'll pay you back over the next 30 years, or maybe longer if we want. But, like, that's... We would if we want, right? Kind, basically, <laughs> right? And then we're, like, saying, like, hey, wait a second. Those are our tax dollars. Like, if y'all are going to use our tax dollars, we get to have a say. And that was like our hook to like force developers to come to the table, you know, and and um, and and that what I learned through that is that if you don't if you have money, you have those political connections. But if you don't have money, what you can do is organize enough people and through the organizing of people, you can balance the power with um the the money interests you know what i'm saying and so like that's that's to me the 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 opportunity that's been the power and you know i was able to live to to move into an affordable housing unit in 2008 and that transformed my life because that was um that gave me the ability to continue to live in the community that i loved you know um, and that I was able to put down roots, um, and and um, and to see now, like one through the through the foreclosure um, uh, crisis that we went through in the Great Recession, right, where like people were losing their homes left and right, and then we we're seeing these developers come in after the fact and profit, and then turn those single family homes into you know eight plexes or what have you, you right. know what I mean, 
And, um, and we're about to see it again yeah. with this, um, given this pandemic, there's, um, 64, I'm sorry, 61,000, um, renting households in Denver alone that are eviction, um, at, at risk of eviction in the next like three months, just given the pandemic, right? When you look at the numbers statewide, it's closer to 300,000, right? People just think, oh, that's a Denver problem. Um, no, like we're talking about small town, like everyone across the state has been hard hit. And the idea that um, the landlord's are like, yeah, but we still gotta get paid too. And it's like, okay, well then who are you paying? Well, it's like, maybe it's a small bank, maybe it's a big bank. But maybe that small bank is it, and it if you've ever seen that that picture of like the little fish getting eaten up by the big fish getting eaten up by the right, big yeah, fish right. getting bit, eaten mm-hmm. up by the and shark there, there's developer there's developers that like have mad capital that are just waiting to pounce they to just swoop, w- it all. To swoop it all up like buy five six properties at a time and then flipping them and doing whatever they and want now, with it and now we're starting to see it right with like the videos online now of like those landlords of the apartments going to go to court and they're getting protesters out oh, there. Yeah. Like it, it kind of just feels like everyone is just, it's definitely a, a statewide problem and everyone's coming together, but it's still like shocking to me that if I was a landlord, right. And like, I'm seeing that how people are reacting to me evicting people. Like, I don't know, maybe that's just me being a kind hearted person. I'd probably be like, all right, maybe what I'm doing is wrong. But yeah. I mean, I guess some people don't, don't think like us, you know? Some people see. <laughs> a lot of people don't think yeah, like that. Definitely. Um, another question I had for you guys, and I know this probably affects you three more than it does probably any of us right now, is the issue of, you know, immigration, DACA, mm-hmm. and ICE. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a very, very sensitive topic. I have a very, very close friend who was affected personally by it, you know. Um, Julie, I know that you're big on that. And Armando and Anthony, I just want to give you guys, like, seeing what's just going on with with that, along with the Black Lives Matter and the whole everything else going on, like, Mm -hmm. how does that make you guys feel? Like, is that, does that, does that up the stakes like 10 times? Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like, before, probably like a year and a half ago, I didn't know much about ICE. I knew what they, what they did and what they, but I didn't really understood the full effects. Like, I didn't know the back scene, kind of like how you said with the military, right? Like, you you, you knew about the military. You joined it because, you know, your parents kind of raised you in that way and you thought it was a notable thing to do, right? It wasn't until my personal friend had an actual incident with ICE yeah. that mm-hmm. made me realize, like, all right, like, what they're doing is not right. Um, For sure. I think, I think what's important to note is that um, the immigration issue isn't, like, a specific, a, a specifically a brown issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of, like, you know, um, African immigrants that are going through the same shit. There's, you know, Arab and Muslim communities that are, are going through that, that same struggle. There's um, even white people. There's even there white people. <laughs> <laughs> going through the same shit. Um, so I think that's super important to note. Um, but, it, you know, the, the, the way sometimes the, the media frames it and mm-hmm. the way that politicians frame it, it's like, oh, it's coming up from the border. You know what I'm saying? And that's how they build these coalitions that are against immigration and against brown people, you know, Latinos specifically. Um, but it's definitely something that affects all, all of all, a lot of our communities. 
Um, but would no. you say though it affects most, not mostly, but it has a big effect on the brown community? I mean, I, 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 I'm not arguing that no, it's like the face of it though. Almost. Like you know, brown people it, like the face, right? It's like the face, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, like, like I said, like it's it's something that they use as a, as a weapon. They they flip it on us, um, and it in turn affects communities that are African, communities that are you know Muslim or Arab. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, we're 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 the face of it, um, and, and they use it as a, as a weapon to like kind of, you know, build like I said, build these coalitions a, a against us. Um, go ahead. There is. Uh, this is what's happening in 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 the United States right now. I'm gonna walk out on you guys for just a second, if that's okay. But like. The, the United States was founded upon these white Protestant um, Christian and like Christian uh, values, right? Like, um, and, and very patriarchal values, right? Christian. Right? Ain't nothing Christ-like about it, but. For real. All right. But, um, <laughs> you know, that, that's, you know, the Puritans came forward in like 1492 and like Columbus and all of that, right? Like, and, um, and we're founded upon um, that history of genocide, that history of slavery, that history of like taking land and what have you. But like those were like those principles that created this country. And um, I, and and America has for a long time been majority white. And what is terrifying to a certain aspect of um, political power in this country is the fact that. Um, our numbers are growing, right? Like black people, brown people, immigrants, um, immigrants who are now raising kids who are eligible to vote, right? Like we saw, I mentioned, you know, that in 1994, little like fifth grade Julie saw like um, the, the passing of NAFTA. Well, now those kids who came, who were, um, uh, those folks who came through um, in the mid 90s, Right. What happened in, with NAFTA? Right. You had Canada, the United States and Mexico saying, yo, it is cool to allow goods and services to travel freely across borders. But human bodies do not get that same respect. So then when um, the corn markets in Mexico flatten out, you start seeing mass migration from Mexico here into um, the, the United States, which had been a cyclical migration because, we, like I said, we've been here since before it was dirt, right? Anyway, you have in the mid-90s a wave of families um, coming down, establishing roots here, and raising families. And now those kids of that generation are like our generation now who are eligible, not eligible, who are voting, right? right? And that is mm -hmm. terrifying to that very small um, pale, stale, and male, um, uh, <laughs> like, like, po like, uh, political group of, of, of power holders, right? And so what are they doing? When you are, when you are attacked, you can either, f like, flight or fight, right? Right. And the Republican Party has decided to, like, fight, and they're going to use every single tool that they've got. So whether that is putting Kanye on the ballot, whether that is, <laughs> right, like um, creating mass deportation policies to try to like um, instill as much fear as possible because fear is as much a weapon as anything else. Okay, I'll stop. 
<laughs> uh, do you guys think now that you brought cut up Kanye up? I mean, I think I just read that Kanye is going to be on the Colorado ballot, That's which disgusting. is. But I mean, there is that there is that rumor going. Not a rumor, but oh, it's a lot of people think it's good. He wants to distract that Biden vote. Yeah, right. Totally. I mean, let's. It's a blood. call a spade a spade, right? It's I mean, it's embarrassing, bro. Like it. To be a part of this of this country at times is fucking embarrassing. It's fucking it. embarrassing. Yeah. Like the fact that this guy that that they think that the the fact that the Republicans think that they can actually siphon votes and that we're that dumb that we're gonna be distracted from fucking Kanye West being a legitimate presidential candidate is is embarrassing. Like how we know this is a game. Hello. And, and like, like, my mom called me the other day. And she's like, you think Kanye West can really <laughs> win? I'm like, no, mom, this is a, this is a, this is a trick. <laughs> I know you're not going to vote for him, but like... Are, are you guys afraid, though, that some people will? Because I've heard some Hello. people... There because probably will be some people Because that, the, la- the last election, I know some people that voted for someone on that ballot that they know wasn't going to win because they didn't like... The two mm-hmm. top candidates. What people so like me, I can personally see someone saying, "Well, I don't like Biden such either. and such, yeah, yeah. so I'm just gonna vote for Kanye." Like, you know, like I can actually see people what? doing hella, that. Hella. And to me, when you do that, the fact that he endorsed Trump and the fact that he stood behind him, to me, that gives a vote to Trump. That's it, just my personal completely. Opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Next next topic. Kanye West is a joke. (laughs) Here's my question, though. Take a moment and just think of the five people in your life who you think might actually do that. Mm. Mm. And like, take the moment, like, and think of their names to be like, all right, one, two. I know that fool's gonna do it. You know, (laughs) like, and like. You have now like 88 days to like have that conversation with that person to be like, do you understand like the games that are being played with your vote? Right. Because that's the time that we have right now to do that, to have those conversations. And 88 days is not a lot. Isn't that Because this year's is, this year's flying by. For real. It's already you know? August. It's, it, yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's definitely crazy to think that one of the greatest hip-hop artists right like i have one of his albums tattooed on me you know and i i constantly get questions wait, wait, wait. which one though we gotta know this the 808s and heartbreaks hey. right all right but like till this day i still get questioned on it like when people find out what i have on it, they you know they you ask me it. they're like what, what do you think and i yeah, I call us uh, Ace of Aces, Spade of Spade. You know, I have to be like, you know, I, 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 I love the guy for what he's done for music, but there comes a point where you just can't stand behind someone. Totally. No matter what they've done in the past, it's about what you're doing today. And though I have love for what you've done in the music industry before, that doesn't overtake what you stand behind, especially listen. when it comes to humanity, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm always going to listen to Devil in a New Dress. That's yo, that's my song, yo. <laughs> that's the, oh, that's hey, for everyone. Only for jam. Rick Ross's part. And I'm yeah, yeah, I'm going to fast forward straight to Ross's verse. <laughs> like last part. night, last <laughs> night when Ross he dropped that. Two chains? Yo, when I was watching that versus <laughs> battle, and I was just like, when that when that verse came on, I like I wanted to throw my phone across the, <laughs> across the room. Um, 
there's no question what, you know what he did for music, but but yeah, it's, this is this is a game. It's a game. Hate. He's being yeah. used. He's condoning hate, and we can't allow that. We can't stand by that at all, at all. There's too much shit going on in the world right now to just allow it and do it as a joke, vote for him because it's funny. There's too much. No, right. we can't. This year's been trash. This is a whole other podcast. I feel like. This yeah. <laughs> this, this, and I hate. And I hate. To, this could be a whole other <laughs> podcast because like he's being manipulated and he's being used. You know what I'm saying? And then we can talk about it on a whole other different and you can't excuse episode, 39, of subjects. Right? episode yeah. 39, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, like, just saying, like, I mean, it's just, I don't I don't know, like, sometimes I get pissed, and then sometimes I'd be like, well, because he was so big on mental health, you know? But then there comes a the time the where, like... So this is, this is, these are the types of games, though, that the Republican Party feels like they can play with against our people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Totally. This is the type of control that they think they have. Right. That they can put up, uh, can, would I, would, does this term even apply to a Kanye, a Manchurian candidate? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we all look for I don't even know. Right <laughs> like, yeah, maybe. But, but like the fact that they can use this, like, you know, this, this diversion and this distraction against mm-hmm. us to think that they'll, he, they're clearly using him to siphon votes from communities of color, specifically the, the black community. Mm-hmm. And to think that they they think that they, this shit's gonna work is like the type of ploys and games that they're they're playing, and it's and it's it's embarrassing on both to see it is embarrassing, and I'm sure deep down in their hearts the Republicans feel that it's embarrassing to them that they're stooping to these levels. Yeah, even though they'll never admit it. Yeah, but it, it has to be. Right. Totally. You're seeing all of these other little games right being played where. Um, it was uh, mail-in ballots are terrible. Um, don't use them. And then in Florida, uh, the Trump campaign started realizing earlier this week that um, their base believed him, and so they were not. And, and their base is older and white, and they were not mailing in their ballots in Florida. And so the, then, like earlier this week, Trump was like, "Just kidding! Like, um, actually, please mail in your ballots, please." <laughs> Florida's and, good, but Nevada isn't. Exactly, and so like that. Um, you've seen uh, Trump like uh, start to um, uh, say, "Well, hey guys, maybe we should like delay the election because of the pandemic," even though like he is also responsible for this pandemic dragging out as long as it has, and um, which one he like can't do. But the fact that he's also deployed, um, and and I'm curious to see how how y'all have experienced the police. Um, out in the protests in the streets, right? But, like, the fact that he deployed in Portland, um, like, federal un, uh, unidentified agents who were, like, literally, like, disappearing people into vans, like, that is a terrifying yeah. image, right? And, like, um, we saw, like, uh, brutality um, playing out in protests here and across the country, but the fact that that, like, disappearing thing, um, tactic, was was deployed was like scary right and um and it really kind of makes it very clear that this 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 president and that party will stop at nothing no trick in order to try to steal this election it's funny that you said that because you know i from our last podcast i had made a statement that i haven't been able to go to any protests because i have an elderly grandfather who me and my wife we're the only ones here you know my my mom's here she does what she can but my brother he lives in Arizona, and he's 89. My grandmother's 87. They're very old. So with this pandemic, I, yeah. I can't go to many protests just because 
I we we check on them regularly. We you know we care for them regularly. But you know we went to the, me, my my wife and I went, and a couple other friends went to the Elijah McLean violin visual, and that was the first one I went to. And you know we were sitting there, and it was honestly when I got there, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. You mm. know there was. There was people sitting down. They were listening to violins. There was kids playing. There was dogs running. I saw Armando in the back with his Kaepernick jersey. So I even, <laughs> I even looked at my wife. I was like, look, there's Armando right there, you know? Catch up with him later. It's so crazy by how we were sitting there enjoying it. And then at one second, I don't even think Q and I were there for 10 minutes when we saw that, that SWAT riot gear just past that corner mm. and it went from such a beautiful visual to just this feeling where it was like it was like out of a movie we still talk about this when me and her mm. talk you know it's still something i relive in my mind because it was out of a movie mm. right you felt it and I, i'm pretty sure armando can test this too like you felt that it was like a light switch like the energy went from beautiful to whoosh, you know, was, and I even remember because there was a friend that we there was a couple friends that we went with, and one of the one of the guys there he was the only guy there, so he stood by me and my wife and her friends went over there by the violinist, and I saw Armando and you know I said, "That's my boy right there," you know I got to go check on him, hmm. and it was just because of that energy. And Armando, remember I ran yeah. up to you, and I just made and I didn't even we, me and Armando didn't even talk for. 10 seconds. I just said, Armando, you you good? All right. That's all I asked. Just checking in. Just checking right. in. Because that, that shift to that energy, when that when that riot, when them police rounded that corner and people just started yelling, no, no, and you see people picking up their dog and you see kids crying and you see people who can't find their loved ones and they're crying. It was just like, damn, this is what people have been experiencing through all these protests. Totally. They're trying to do something peaceful, and it just feels like, particularly the Aurora Police Department, just wants to find an excuse just to flip the narrative. Completely. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that's my little rant, but I mean, Armando, you can test it too. Yeah, I mean, like, that, day, that day was be- beautiful and, and, and uh, I don't even know what the word is, like, tragic all, all at the same time. Yo. Switch your phone off. I'm sorry. This <laughs> phone going, going off uh, for the last few minutes. No, uh, but, it, but it was one of those things where it, it, it was so. Yeah, he is. <laughs> sure. it, it was so beautiful for those few minutes that the violinists were out there playing, and it was honestly beautiful when they were still playing. Yeah. And then the riot gear cops showed up. Uh, Armando, hold on, hold on, because I want I want you to add on to this. Yeah. So. Do you remember when that car pulled back and someone played the instrumental to Tupac Changes? Uh, so I, I remember hearing it. Because my I, I never, and I don't know if I'll ever feel this again, but when that beat, you, we all know the Changes song, right? Yeah, but you guys know when it goes, and then the beat drops, like I'll never have that feeling again when I saw everyone. Yeah. Go mm. to that violinist on that truck, and they're like, you yeah. know what? I had a di- I had a little bit of a different experience because there was like the stage where like the little fountain area, right. or statue area is, and there was like a bunch of violinists playing there. And then I remember hearing music far away, and then I was like, you know what? They kind of like drew me. 
over there. So I went over there, and that's when I heard the, the pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, but at first, I was like, yo, who's playing music? There's, play, there's music playing, and there's violinists playing. Um, but anyway, I ended up over there, and um, a lot of the violinists ended up moving, migrating that way as well. But like I was saying, it, it was one of the most beautiful uh, moments that I've ever witnessed at a protest or vigil. Um, you have these beautiful, you know, strings playing. Um, and then the cops came out in, this, in full riot gear. And yes, there there might have been some, like, agitators out there, like, shaking the fence. But it wasn't anything that couldn't be handled by just standing as a, as a, as a, as a police unit, standing... A few feet away from, like you know monitor, what I'm saying? Like monitoring. Exactly, the, 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 exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It, 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 it's them wanting to mm-hmm. show force mm-hmm. and wanting to c- control the situation their way. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I, I, when they came out, it was like, we, we were we were already kind of like shedding tears. Like, my girl was there and she was like kind of shedding tears uh, about just the violinist playing. And then it was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then the cops came out, and the violinists kept kept playing. They, they were, like, gassing families that were out there. Yeah. And the violinists kept playing. And it was, like, this tragic situation um, accompanied by a beautiful soundtrack. And it was like a movie. It, yeah. it, it, it felt like a soundtrack going off. Um, man, it, it, it was it was definitely something that I'll... It was a moment that I'll never forget, like... I, my, my girl drove home that night, and, you know, like, the whole way there, uh, we took the streets, you know, from Aurora down to, to downtown, and it was, like, one of those things, like, I was just looking out the window, it was like, I just kind of, just marinating on yeah, it, just, yeah. like, thinking about it, and, like, I, I'll i never be able to shake it, I'll yeah. never be able to shake that yeah, moment. Same. Um, before we get out of here, I wanted to touch one other topic as well, um, and that is the, um, que viva la raza. <laughs> um... If you guys want, I want, I'm going to let you guys explain more about yeah. this because you guys probably know a little bit more. Anthony, it seems oh, like this is your topic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, why don't you let us know like the whole history around that and how that came about. I mean, it goes... Uh, let me restart. I'm mumbling over here. You're good, bro. All right, <laughs> so it goes to the Chicano movement and Kibibu La Rasa, the race moves on. The race lives on. And it goes back to the movement of us being just... I'm losing the words right now. I'm getting this awkward moment. I'm just being hated on, you know, almost, mm. you know, I and mean, having us have to fight for our visibility, as you talk about, in our lives and why we matter. And we fought, and Corky Gonzalez was like the leader of the whole movement. Um, and it was huge for Denver because it happened at West High School, I believe, or North mm-hmm, North mm-hmm. West, you know, and that that's huge because like you think Chicano or La Raza, I don't think of Denver. But as a Denver person, understanding the history, it's amazing to see that it started right here in our hometown. And that representation that I talked about earlier, it matters. You give, know? Give, give the people like a background of what it is um, for the people who aren't educated on what it is. So, La Raza or Chicano Movement? Or the, whole, the whole with the whole Columbus Park and the renaming of that and just... Ooh, I don't like that word. So, <laughs> shoot. All right, so I had to throw you a rebound. I know, right? I know. Spotlight. Yeah. All right. So Columbus Park is—we don't even call it that. It's La Raza Park. The race lives on. I don't. I'm, not, I'm an East Sider, you know. I don't know a lot about like the North Side and the mm-hmm. whole history behind La Raza Park. Mm-hmm. I just know that our, our we're rooted there in the North Side, you know, and 
I don't know. I'm, I'm fumbling. It's, no, no, no. It's, it's no. It's it's that's that's exactly it, right? Like, um, historically, right? Like that park, um, the the land from that park was donated by Italian community members um, to the city of Denver in like I think the 30s. Um, and so it was given, you know, and, and, and back in that, in those days, like it was like an Italian community, right. you know, um, it was Italian and then it became a Chicano community and then it became uh, a Mexican community and now it's changing again and becoming, um, and there was a lot uh, of mixing in absolutely, between that, you know what I'm absolutely. And, um, and, uh, and that was in the seventies, like a site of battle. Right. And, and. Um, we're talking about tear gas now being deployed. Like, there's footage. If you go and, like, literally Google La Raza Park Denver, you'll see footage from police officers gassing um, Chicanos in the 70s for, like, going to the park. And Chilling. Literally. Chilling and existing in the it's park. That's what we do now. Dude, right? totally. Every Especially as, as photographers, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, Hella. you know, going to random places just chilling, you know? Exactly. And that, um, so that became a site of struggle. Right. And um, there were protests back in the 70s um, and uh, a long history, some through the crusade for justice and the, the Chicano movement. And then others, you know, Debbie Ortega tried to um, run a petition to change the name of La Raza Park, uh, of Columbus Park to La Raza Park in, I want to say, 1988. Um, and they did multiple parks. So if you ever see Lincoln La Alma Park, there's a reason why it's Lincoln Dash La Alma is because that effort was successful. But the Italian community blocked um, the, the name change of, I think they were going to try to name it Columbus Dash La Raza Park. And that, ulti that ultimately was not successful. And so here we are, like 30 some odd years later, um, and we're still fighting this fight. And so Amanda Sandoval, um, who... It's, it's pretty dope, like, um, you know, like Amanda Sandoval, um, Jamie Torres are, are city council members, Amanda represents the north side, Jamie's got the west side, um, born and raised in Denver, um, Serena Gonzalez Gutierrez is um, Corky's granddaughter, you know, she represents in the state house, and then I represent in the state senate, and to have, you know, strong Chicanas who are like, don't take no shit and are like, what are we going to do? Like, let's throw some petitions out and like, see what happens. You know, we needed 300 petition signatures. We, and one, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so like to see like Amanda Sandoval, Amanda Sandoval, like be like, okay, then we're going to just give everybody pens so that they don't have to like transfer germs or whatever. She's like, we got this, we got hand sanitizer. We're good, you know? And, and to see we needed 300 people to come through we did two days and we had over 700 people come hey. through. Like that's comunidad, you know what I mean? Like that's what this is. Um, and it's, it's giving people, when you actually talk about the issues that resonate with them, people show up. That's, that's, that's mm -hmm. how this game works, totally. you know? And so, you know, that's, that's, that's exciting. And, and don't think that that battle's over. Like there's going to be a battle. Um, that will not, that name change will not happen without a fight. Um, but here we are struggling if, all these years if later. If it does, and we are able to get the the change on that park, uh, what would it mean to you guys? It'd be historic. It'd be amazing. You know, it'd be like that visibility that we want, the representation that we want, that we matter in the city, that we're a part of the city, and that we're here forever. Because that's history. It's history oh, yeah. right now in this yeah. moment. It's history when we change that name of that park. 
Yeah. It's, it's a tangible win, you know. It's something that we can hand down for, for as long as the park is, is named La Raza. It's, it's something that that we can say, we can pass down to the next generation and say, hey, this is the history and we made this change happen for however long it's going to happen. And it's, it's going to be able, that next generation is going to be like, hey, I, I remember seeing that struggle. I remember seeing that struggle and witnessing that change. You don't get a whole lot of tangible wins, um, I, I feel like, when it comes to politics, right? I lose, I lose a lot. I lose often. You know what I'm saying? So it's like one of those things that you can hold on to mm-hmm. and, uh, and and pass on, on to, to, to generations in the future that are, that are fighting for the same, you know, uh, equality and uh, sense of belonging. Definitely. And it's all in the name. The race lives on and we're going to live on forever. That's exactly it. Definitely. And, and, you know, and we're in this moment right now where um, we are, it's been very interesting because we've been talking about multiple crises, right? Um, whether we're talking about um, economics, right? People struggling to make rent, like facing eviction. If we're talking about the racial injustices that our communities are, are having to navigate, if we're talking about the pandemic, right? And like how we're taking care of the people we love, right? And we're having to navigate all of these things at the same time. And what gives me hope is to see like the way that we all show up, right? Whether it's through art, whether it's through music, whether it's through photography, look I said, whether it's through politics, we're all doing what we can with what we got, right? Like that's seven generations down, they're going to look back and, and be like, hey, how did they navigate this? Mm-hmm. What what yeah. gains did they win? Right? So, like, that's that's what keeps me going in this moment because, like, there's times where I'm just like, this is, this is too much. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. Like that meme. And, like, um, but this is also, like, this is work we got to do. It's the blueprint, man. The blueprint gets handed off generation to generation, man. You know, and, and it changes in different ways, but... Um, at the end of the day, it's just all about like passing on that struggle to the to the next generation, making sure that you know we aren't forgotten and mm-hmm. and we aren't you know dis- discriminated against, man. Because you know nobody deserves that shit. Definitely. You know, mm-hmm. what would each of you say to the people listening and watching? What would you want them to take away from today? Anthony, I'll start with you. I think that they should start the conversation in their head of how to create change. How can you start with yourself? How can you get people around you to start create change? Because it really starts with yourself, you know? And if you can get that conversation, just look where you could take it, no matter what the topic is. But I think with everything going on today, let's get through this moment, you know? Let's mm-hmm. get through 2020 and let's get through 2021 and keep going. You know, let's create change. Definitely. From within. Honda, what would you say, man? I don't know, man. Just like, I, I think li- listening to each other and and you know, trying to relate to each other's struggles. Like I said earlier, uh, as far as the black and brown community goes, the struggles aren't identical, but they're, you know, very similar. Um, and I think if we could build a, a, a different, like, rainbow coalition now. Hmm. Um, ah, it, full it, circle, man. Yeah, it would go a long way in, in uniting communities of, of all creeds and, and colors. Mm-hmm. To me, I'd say do what you can with what you got. You know, I, I, um, my niece, um, she, uh, was in college and she had to come back home, um, when the, cause her school shut down and what have you. And she had to come back home and she was like pretty low about it, you know? And so she started a garden and, um, 
and that's what she could do with what she got with what she had you know what i mean and so um like i said my my family's taking my my nephew over to college today and so she um sent me home with like lettuce and calabacitas and like pickle this girl made pickles (laughs) and they're amazing you know what i mean and to me like that's how she's taking care of her and taking care of other people you know what i mean it's not always politics right sometimes it's art sometimes it's whatever but um do what you can with what you got that's that's the most important thing right now definitely julie if people want to follow you or um, read more about you uh, let them know um, where they can find you and information like that uh i'm on all of the social media things as senadora julie um and um always hit me up um i i do all of my own stuff and so if it takes me a minute to you don't respond got a team, you don't got a team it's literally me <laughs> <laughs> like, you have an assistant julie <laughs> not even right now dude like li- right actually now, right now right no now. honestly <laughs> like during like uh during the legislative session we have an aide who is able to work with us 40 hours a week um during the legislative session but then after that um we're on our own right okay. and um and so it's it's me um, my cell phone number is 720-891-2712. Um, I will actually answer the phone because it's me. Um, but uh, hit me up. Let's yes, let's me. figure out solutions together. Yes, I'm definitely not giving out my number. <laughs> um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's like where I put my photography out mostly. Is uh, it's Sick Armando photography. Thank you, bro. Uh, uh, <laughs> Armando underscore Gennaro. That's uh, G-E-N-E-Y-R-O. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, you better just find me because my Twitter is a little bit more problematic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't reach out to me on Facebook because that, that shit is the ops. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on all socials too. Anthony, M-V-Z-E. That's my Instagram, Twitter, all of it. So find me there. Definitely. And you guys know where to find me. Drew Smith, D-R-U-S-M-I-T-H underscore. Um, They all had very important stuff to say today, but all I want to say is keep loving each other, keep having each other's back, check up on your loved ones, check up on people who you haven't talked to in a while, just check up on them. And if people have questions for you, don't be afraid to answer them, or vice versa. Um, Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Armando. Julie, thank you so much for coming. I really want to have you guys back on here again, definitely, and um, I appreciate all you guys. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and review. This is the Upbeat Podcast. I'm Drew Smith, Armando, Anthony, and Julie. We are out. Stay blessed. Stay safe. Keep the love strong. Good night. Shout out to the liquor store on <laughs> hey. 13th in uh, Santa Fe. Yeah, let's get a sponsor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, guys. <laughs> hey, thank you, guys.